Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Creamy and delicious, try strawberry and vanilla for two grams of carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks are now available in the yogurt aisle at Walmart. Always consult your physician before starting an eating plan that involves regular consumption of high-fat foods. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Welcome to Heels and Quads. If you've ever wondered how we started our podcast and how we record our podcast, the answer is so, so simple. Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone, tablet, or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can make money from your podcast no matter if you have one listener or a thousand listeners. Downloads, everything. I mean, it's so simple. If you're creating something, get paid for it. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. Welcome to the Heels and Quads podcast. I'm Levi at Levi D. Zindel on Twitter. And I'm Tommy at Mr. Tommy Walter on Twitter. And today is... The In Your House Degeneration X review from December 1997. I believe it was December 7th. That is correct. And they were, I don't remember, what what city were they in? Springfield, Massachusetts. Springfield, Massachusetts, that's right. At the Springfield Civic Center with an attendance of 6,358. Look at this guy. He was prepared. I I, I don't know how many of those were paid. I could probably go on a shoot with Jim Cornette and find out because he would probably have that information. Yeah. Um, and it was sponsored by Karate Fighters. Wow. Well, you can rate me. So, what was the what was the what's the backstory on them having a DX pay per view? Is it just because they were kind of? I think this was like one. This was like the last one of the last in your houses. This was the very last one. Okay, because I've seen that sometimes they call that uh, "No Way Out of Texas." Yeah, I think this was. I think this was officially the last in your house. I think they kind of used it uh, a couple of times because I think one of like the first fully loaded. I think they actually kind of subtitled it in your house. That and uh, Judgment Day. Yeah, the first. But this this one the was official. The, 
I think this was the only in your house to have a different stage setup as well. Oh, Which, yeah. Because all the other ones, it was the little house, and they kind of walked, you know, they walked out and they had, like, the lawn. With Did the Bad Blood garden. have a house? Um, I, I don't know. And I just watched it not too long ago. Either way, it, yeah, if it, I think this is, you're, you're right, though. It's, um, if it's not the last, it's like, yeah, I guess, or if it's not the first one without the house, then it was the second without a house. Yeah. I don't remember. I, I, yeah, I don't remember Bad Blood, uh, if it did or not. Um, but I know that Bad Blood was the last uh, pay-per-view with Vince McMahon on commentary, so this kind of carries over from Survivor Series um, with just JR and Jerry the King Waller. The this, best team. This is, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, Gorilla and Heenan were good, too. And That's Vince, true. Vince and Jesse were good, too. I really like yeah, their back and forth. I like all um, the 90s commentary. Yeah. Um, this one is obviously the first one after Bret Hart had left. Obviously after the Montreal Screwdrop in November of 97. Um, Shamrock had just came back from injury. Um, so I I kind of wonder what... What the what the thought process was, maybe just to see if Shamrock could be a main event player. Yeah, well, and because it wasn't, you know, it's it's the December show, so it's you know, it's like the least big show of the year. Yeah, and it's and it's you know, it's called In Your House DX, so I think it was you know another way to promote DX and get their merch sold. Well, and not only that, but I mean, because. December 97, that's also the Hogan-Sting match for Starcade. Yeah. So they, they know they're not going to be able to compete with that because, obviously, they watched that build. Because yeah. Because they had a monitor in the back that watched Nitro and all that. So that year-long build for that match, you know, Vince and company are like, yeah, we're not going to compete with this, so let's just throw something together. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, like the week before, like a couple of weeks before it happened, I guess uh, they uh, DX being Shawn Michaels, Trent, and Triple H, or were beating up Jim the, Jim the Anvil, Nyhart, um, Shamrock, and Sergeant Slaughter came out for the save. Uh, Shamrock hit Shawn with the ankle lock, and Slaughter and was like screaming yeah, really he loud while he's doing it. And they, <laughs> I mean, they obviously like. Late '90s WWF were really big on promo packages. Yeah, um, and they show that before before the main event. Um, but uh, Sergeant Slaughter also uh, faced Triple H in a boot camp match, which was which was not bad. Not bad. Wasn't bad. Not bad. I mean, like for a youngster going up against an older dude. Levi and I talked about it earlier today, and it was like you know he said something about Sergeant Slaughter being like seventy years old. And I mean, he probably wasn't far removed from that. He's. Got I think him. he was like. I think he's like fifty or sixty. Yeah. He, I was a little. I was a little exaggerated, but, but you know. I mean, you know still, I mean. you know, he always looked older because he always had that Hogan esque kind of bowl. Yeah. Baldness going on. Um, so it opens with a video package, and you hear a lady's voice over the men's man's voice going, "Degenerate me." Yeah. And that really, I mean, I don't know. I popped for that. I thought it was funny. It's a popper. Sexy. The heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Sexy. Um, anyway, so the, the pay-per-view opens with the light heavyweight championship match. It is the finals for the first ever 
WWF Light Heavyweight Champion. It's Takamichinoku, who was pretty big around this time. Yeah. And then uh, Brian Christopher, who, and they, you know, tra- King always tries to kayfabe it, but everybody knew it was his son. Yeah, he always says, oh, he's real good looking, blah, blah, blah. Look and then at he that goes tan. Out there, yeah, and he goes out there and, like, what? yeah, he goes and wipes the, the blood from his mouth and all that. And... Yeah, uh, Brian Christopher got busted open the hard way here in the mouth. Yeah, he was bleeding pretty good out of his mouth, yeah, yeah, definitely. That, that was probably the highlight of the match. Uh, match. It wasn't was, a bad match. No, it, no, it was a really good match. S- uh, solid opener. It was the third long third at 12 minutes and two seconds. Taka beats Brian Christopher. Uh, Brian Christopher goes for the Tennessee Jam, which is the uh, leg drop he did off the ropes, off the top rope. And... Taka moves, and then Taka gets up, hits him with the Michinoku driver, which is still one of my favorite finishers, at least of the 90s. Yeah, it's a good one. It, I mean, he just looked smooth when he did it. And, uh, yeah, both nobody carried anybody here. That was just a solid match. Yeah, they're, they're, both, they're both solid talents. And, and Taka was – he was always on Raw back then, too. Mm-hmm. He was a big he, part of it. He was young here, but he had already been in the business for quite some time because he was already big in Japan. Yeah, and obviously now, I mean, he's still going. Yeah, which is, which is crazy to me. But I guess you know, ninety seven, he was probably, I'd say, probably twenty twenty one, maybe. Yeah, maybe a little older. Um, he definitely look. He looks like a teenager here, but he was always a small guy. He's kind of bulked bulked up a little bit in the last couple of years, but. Um. So yeah, uh, Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe and uh, Tony Guerrero come out, present him with the belt. Jerry's consoling his his son, his, his kayfabe son. not son, his kayfabe not son. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then we go on. Was there a promo in between there? Not that I remember. I think it goes straight into uh, Los D- Bariquas. Yeah, them in okay. DOA. So it's Los Bariquas. It's Jesus, Jose, and Miguel with Savio Vega. They come out rapping. Um, at first, <laughs> the mics weren't on, and I don't think they realized it. <laughs> yeah. And then, I probably through that. Yeah. I was like, are they lip syncing for real right now? And then, yeah. like, the, the sound. The mic cuts out. in, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, okay. They're just kind of going with it. Um, and they defeated the DOA, Eight Ball Chains, and Skull. Um, Crush was injured at this point, right? Or yeah, I think so. Already, or had he already left to go to WCW? Well, it was late 97, so I think, I think yeah, he might have been. No, because he was at, he was at no, no Way Out and WrestleMania. Uh yeah, 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 yep. Yeah, because DOA is with Eric Crush. I'm gonna look this up real quick because it's gonna drive me crazy. So, anyways, yeah, um, that match I didn't I didn't have too much to say about. It. I mean, it was just your normal. It was a six man tag. It, it was a time filler. They didn't. have yeah. a lot here. Um, and then you get <laughs> after that. I mean, we'll we'll come back to it. Whenever you figure that out, but after that was Butterbean and Mark Marrow. Yeah, and we which, did get a promo before this, and uh, it was it was Butterbean. He he did he got confused, I think, a little bit because he had had an actual boxing match the night before in Atlantic City. His and head might Sable have been a little was there, um, but yeah. he got he got a little off off subject and then forgot where he was going. <laughs> He was like, I don't even know what to say. And they showed a video package for this one, too. They showed, you know, yeah. Mark Marrow's boxing and all that stuff. He was a five-time New York State Golden uh, Golden Glove winner. Yeah. Um, so he was a legit boxer. 
Um, and it, if anybody knows anything about the New York uh, Golden Glove, it is one of the most prestigious boxing titles to have as far as an amateur goes. You're saying Mark Merrill's a bad mofo, basically. Yeah, I mean, he could legit fight. Yeah. Um, there was no question about that. I liked Mark Merrow, man. And I liked him as Johnny B. Bad, too. I liked him as Johnny B. Bad. I didn't as much like him as Wild Man because I thought it was just a direct knockoff. Yeah. It was like Johnny B. Bad meets Macho Man when he had the big cape. That yeah. Said Wild Man, it was all glittery. It just reminded me of Macho Man. No, uh, oh, well, hang on. I thought I had it, but I didn't. So the, the box, I mean... Late in 97, Crush left the group and WWF in protest of Montreal Screwjob. Okay. So he left with Brett. Yeah. He was one of the ones that the next night on Raw, Vince asked, if anybody wants to leave, I won't hold it against you. I'll let you out of your contract, blah, blah, blah. Was that a shoot? Yeah, that's a shoot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um... See, I'm always, I, it's, you know, I've, that's such a big angle in wrestling, and there's so many parts of it that I still, after like 20 years of it, it's, I'm not sure if it's a shoot or if it's kayfabe or what, so I just kind of go with it, all of it. I mean, the I know. O- the only thing that leads me to 100% believe that it was a shoot is with the ratings that that caused them to get. Why wouldn't Vince McMahon want to do something like that again? Yeah. That is the only reason, and the I think the only actual reason he can't do that now is because there's nowhere else for anybody to go. Yeah. For it to be believable. Now, like, somebody could do it and go to the Ring of Honor, somebody could do it and go to New Japan, but they kind of already do that. Yeah, pretty much. So, I mean, I mean, he could have probably got more out of Cody leaving. Uh, so, Butterbean and Mark Marrow, you got anything to say about that? It was, it was um, what it was for me. You know... There were a couple of spots where it was, you could tell, you know, obviously it's it's professional wrestling. It's scripted. Yeah. But there was a couple of times where it it, it looked like Butterbean was getting shoot pissed at Mark Marrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he looks like that, too. And it's like, you know, flash, fast forward to two years after this. Yeah. With the. Uh, or you, yeah. The, uh, the brawl for all. all. Yeah. Poor uh, Bart Gunn, man. Like, yeah, he got his ass knocked. And that was the end of, that was the end of his career too. Like after after his end of WWE career, like he didn't do much after that. But so anyways, the only thing I was gonna say about this: the end of the third round where Butterbean knocks Marrow for a loop, um, and then the beginning of the fourth round. If people would quit texting me, it's getting annoying. Um, Butterbean knocks Marrow for a loop at the end of the third round. The beginning of the fourth round, Butterbean comes out, and that's like what I was saying. He was like, le- he looked like he was legit heated, pissed. Yeah, no- knocks Marrow down again. Uh, I think that's where Marrow kind of gets up and low blows him to de- get disqualified, <clears throat> and then it kind of ends with uh, then he gets the stool, which is clearly was gimmicked at some point between the end of the third round and the beginning of the fourth round. Um, tries to break it over Butterbean's back and it doesn't break the first time. So he has to do it again. (laughs) That kind of cracked me up a little bit. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, for what it was, it was okay. Yeah. I mean, we've spent the most time on this this match, so we can move on. Next was the tag. Oh wait, next was a promo with the road warriors. Goldust and Luna. Oh, yeah, 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 the Goldust and Luna thing. I know you wanted to talk about that because it was really weird. Yeah, it was just very, like, 
<laughs> it's just so weird. <laughs> and I and love Goldust, written... and I love yeah. Luna as a kid. Yeah. Thought she was so great. Absolutely, I sounded, love them both. She sounded like the, the receptionist <laughs> from Beetlejuice. <laughs> Do you remember her? Like no. The lady that sounded no. like she smoked like 16 cartons of cigarettes a day. Well, I mean, as long as that's what she sounded like, yeah, uh, I don't... Yeah, she sounds. And Goldust is reading like Dr. Seuss and Luna like just being really like, weird. Luna sounded like the emo equivalent of Vince McMahon's mad TV voice. Yeah, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was a weird thing. And then the LOD one is it hawk or animal that talks about picking a booger and then rubbing it's it all over his finger? Hawk and it, anybody. <laughs> Who remembers this time with the Legion of Doom? This was when Hawk was at his worst point with the drugs and stuff. And yeah. Um, so Animal goes on. He starts the promo, and he, you know, he's talking, and he's talking about, you know, New Age Outlaws. Well, were they pinned as the New Age Outlaws yet? Do they yeah, they were. New... I, I think they were pinned as the New Age Outlaws okay, at this point. Okay, so they point. had already had the, the gimmick. But they weren't with DX yet, of course. Right. That's coming up in a couple of months at, after WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was funny because I had I re, I don't remember. I mean, I remember watching this live, and I don't remember really watching it. Maybe half of it here and there when the network came out. But I went back and watched the promo on YouTube uh, six months ago. I don't remember who did a video. It was either Brian Zane or Russell Amy or something like that. Um, talking about that promo about the boogers, <laughs> booger, <laughs> and I was like, I went back and watched it. I was like, holy shit, this is like obviously a drug induced fueled rant. Because yeah, like he's gonna pull the booger out and rub it on his finger and then flick it. Yeah, roll it into a ball and flick it, and that's what he's gonna do to the New Age Outlaws. And uh, so yeah, the LOD comes out first, then the Outlaws come out to their. What is now their new kind of intro with Road Dog, you know? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody. For the majority of the match, like the first three quarters of the match is mostly LOD dominating. Yeah. They pretty much beat the hell out of him the whole time. Well, and they, and, and Road Dog and Billy, I don't know if Billy was actually sick or if that was just a kayfabe you know, heel trying to get out of a match. Yeah. Um, but they get stopped by Tony Gurria and Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe, who make a second appearance on a pay-per-view. That's, and this is pre-Poop Stain Patterson. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of odd. But, um, yeah, LOD dominates this match, and then the Outlaws get uh, win by disqualification. Yeah. Um, no, nah, I mean, it, it was a tag match. <laughs> yeah, it was a tag match. And the late nineties, there was such a plethora of tag teams in WWF. Um, I wish they would have drawn this this story out a little more. The LOD mm-hmm. and Outlaws, yeah. But I think they were trying to kind of weed Hawk out for a little bit because of his problems. Because I think yeah. around this time, because I think they left for a little bit so he could go to rehab. Yeah, he was like toast. Because like, they, and then obviously they came back again because they had the thing with draws when. Uh, well, that was LOD two thousand. Right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, we're. I'm trying to remember. 
I'm getting my my timelines all screwed up in my head right now. All right, we'll move on to that. We'll come back to LOD at some point. Shit, we might the, even do a we might even do an episode on them at some point because there's so that'd much be cool. They've been them. yeah, they got a lot of material. This is the after that was the uh, I had to say because I the eight, the Triple H one where he talks about he's got Metamucil and prunes to uh, <laughs> loosen Sergeant Slaughter. Up. <laughs> and this, <laughs> it was and good. This, and this storyline was building for quite some time because DX was always picking on Slaughter because he was the commissioner at the time. Yeah. And, was uh, this before, was this after they had the helmets with the windshield yeah, wipers yeah, on Yeah, this is after. <laughs> they already did, that's one of the classic fucking DX moments and like, yeah. I'm sorry Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> oh man, they're so uh, good. They were, they were so bad to him but it was great. Triple H, you know, was talking about giving his wife the big bazooka. And all that uh-huh. shit. He was gonna swing by and give her the bazooka. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of what finally stems slaughter into getting back in the ring was Triple H, you know, offending his wife or whatever. Um. Like we said, this was the second longest match of the card, and I, I would be led to believe that it's because Triple H was so hot at the time already. Yeah, they wanted to give him a lot and of it ring was time. The DX pay per view because the longest match is the Sean and Shamrock match, but this yep. one comes in at. And the only thing I wanted to mention about this, and I told Levi this earlier, we were we were re-watching it this morning to kind of get refreshed. refreshed. Um, there was one spot where Sergeant Slaughter, I don't remember what move it was, but he was trying to lift Triple H up. I don't remember if he was trying to just body slam him <laughs> or pile drive him or suplex him or whatever, but he botches it. He kind of goes down to one knee, and I'm like, oh, shit. He he blew his fucking quad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying so hard to say that without laughing, but I was laughing when I watched it because I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be so great for the podcast. He blew his quad. <laughs> he looks like he blew his fucking quad. Yeah. Um, but then, like, you, you can kind of see, like, Triple H puts him in a headlock to put him up for the suplex, and he, he kind of looks like he mumbles, like, oh, either you fucked it up or are you okay? At this point, I'm probably thinking it was probably more you fucked up. Yeah. Um but yeah, so it's a pretty H- it's a it's a brawl of a match. It's a lot of like outside the ring yeah. brawling and shit. Yep. And China actually didn't get involved as much as I thought she would. Mm-mm. For it being a no disqualification match. I mean, overall I liked it. And he he throws the powder in her face eventually. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it was a good match. It was definitely it was it was pretty damn good for an older guy going up against a, a really younger guy yeah. at this time so I mean, it's it pretty good it again and i, I read yeah. some reviews after i watched it just to kind of get other people's opinions and i mean people shit on this but i mean you got to take it for what it's worth at the time you yeah. know i mean it, it it was what it was and it made sense it told the story you know well and there was uh, a big build the build to it alone was was good you know yeah um but then after that we get the returning jeff jarrett Mm-hmm. I guess this was his TV debut match back with WWF after he'd left for WCW the first his, time. His theme song's like, he's coming out and it's like, I'm Jeff Jarrett. I'm the greatest wrestler of all time. J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T. Ain't I great? Yeah, that theme song was a little much. man. But, but it, I think this was Jeff about it. Was great in the nineties. I love. Oh yeah, I think 
I think Jeff, I think Jeff Jarrett obviously is a great in-ring performer. And him and TNA, if you go back and look at some of his bouts in TNA, those are really good matches too. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I've watched a couple of them since we've started this because I've pretty much all I've watched is wrestling and Star Wars with my kids. So <laughs> yeah, if, if anybody ever has a wrestling or Star Wars question, they probably need to ask me at this point because I'm loaded with information. I'm cocked, locked, and ready to unload. So, Taker and Jarrett, I think that was like a, what, the six-minute match? It wasn't very long. Yeah, it was a quick six-minute match. The thing I thought that was weird about this is they, at some point, they mentioned a title shot. Yeah, and it did. It never happened, though. Yeah, the winner know. gets a title shot, and, and since, Jarrett won. And since Jarrett won, he should have actually had the title match at Royal Rumble, because even though he won by disqualification. But Undertaker, yeah. as we know, in 98, January 98, which would be the next pay-per-view was Royal Rumble, it was Undertaker and Shawn in a casket match. Yeah, so he ended up getting the title shot. So I don't know what was... I'm thinking that was Shawn doing some backstage stuff because he wasn't a big Jeff Jarrett fan. Yeah. Um, and this this match, the end of it with Kane coming out, it starts the build for Mania. Yeah, the Kane it, and I, I mean, because Undertaker before this, give you kind of like a lead into this, um... Undertaker before, right before this, saying he's never going to fight his brother. He's never going to fight his brother. Kane and Paul Bear keep coming out and and antagonizing him, trying to get him provoked. It's like, come on, fucking, let's fight, let's do this. And like I and like I mentioned to you earlier, I'm pretty sure, like we talked about this with uh, Brian Zane. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure around this time was when I started watching wrestling because I remember Kane just coming to WWF. So it was it was around this time, like late ninety seven, I think, is when I started watching. Well, and a lot of people say, you know, well, Austin three sixteen promo at King of the Ring is what started the Attitude Era. I disagree. I don't think the Attitude Era really got started until Montreal Screwjob. Yeah, I think ninety seven is definitely the birth of Attitude. Well, it's like the DVD birth of Attitude. Yeah. So this is. The, uh, this is what is really starting to you, you can tell yeah that it's starting to it's starting to get a little edgier because yep. DX and even the outlaws before they were in DX they were edgy and that's why you know they went to the outlaws and eventually said hey Sean's leaving you know you guys want to team up with us because the outlaws actually teamed or were supposed to team with Sean Michaels and Triple H in February at no way out and Sean was hurt his back was broke that's the and you can also tell, I was going to say about, well, I guess I'll talk about that when we get to Shamrock and HBK, yeah, but you can I'm tell kinda, that. I'm kind of stumbling and bumbling, but it's all like interweaving. I'm trying to give like that ambiance of where we are in the timeline. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, all everybody at this time were kind of interweaved. Everybody, like there was no real like, I mean, the obviously the layout of the card were, was always kind of the same. But I mean, you know, the the middle mid card guys always kind of ease their way into the main events, w- whether yeah. it just be Raw or an in your house pay per view or whatever. Everybody had a place, but everybody had a place. Everybody had some kind of story going on, and yeah. they, you know, Shawn Michaels would fight, you know, whoever. Like here, Ken Shamrock. I mean, Ken Shamrock at this point, granted, he's you know the world's most dangerous man, but he's still you know he's still mid card in WWF. Yeah. Um, but obviously, like I said, this is kind of, let's see what he can do. Can he hang with Sean for 20 minutes? Maybe at some point we'll put a strap on him, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so Jeff Jarrett beats the Undertaker by disqualification, doesn't go anywhere. 
It was six minutes and fifty four seconds. Um, I'm done talking about that. So it's the rock next and match. Cold. <clears throat> now this, there was so much build for this. <laughs> for a five minute match. For a five and a half minute match, and the best yep. spot that I will always remember as long as D-Lo. I'm a wrestling fan is D'Lo. Supposed, he, I mean, he, Stone Cold backdrops him over the ropes. And he goes on to Stone Cold's pickup, which still to this day, that was the coolest fucking trip oh, yeah. of all time. I yeah, because it, it was brand new back then, too, now looking at it. Now. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. You throw, definitely. You throw the Stone Cold smoking skull on a tru- on a, the hood of a truck, I'm going to drive it. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so Stone Cold backdrops D'Lo over the ropes onto the windshield. And I think D'Lo's back slash butt was supposed to hit it, but it ends up being like his foot. <laughs> The windshield? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's actually his. You can see it if you watch it, like, because I've kind of almost did it in slow. I've never, you know, I've seen that spot a thousand times, and I've never noticed that that it was it's his actually, foot. It's actually the heel of his foot that hit, that hits the windshield. Well, he was exactly. probably he probably did that so he didn't fuck his back up. <laughs> yeah, he'd be he would have been in the same boat as Sean. But yeah. then you know, Stone Cold picks him up, and then he takes him to the to the roof of the uh, of the truck, and he hits him with a stunner. stunner, which was yeah. cool too. Um, and then, you know, I uh, like, you know, what I like in the build of this match. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're is, good. Uh, in the build of this match, I love the Rock's beeper going off at 316. His eyes. Yeah, that's so awesome. How many times do they still show that? Like, like now? Yeah. Like, oh, I mean, it's it's like it's a, a classic. In like a like the commercials for like WWE Network and stuff, they still show that spot going off it's at 316 <laughs> when your beeper goes off. It says three one six. You know your ass belongs to Stone Cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> that was before what? But I just felt like I needed to add that. Yeah, you gotta throw it in there. Every time I do Stone Cold's voice, I gotta do what? Um, the other thing about this is if you watch it, Kama goes to hit Stone Cold with the chair. Stone Cold moves. Kama being the Godfather slash Papa Shango slash whatever the hell else. Here, Kama Mustafa. He was he had moved on from Kama, and now he's Kama Mustafa because he's uh, Muslim, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, with the nation, uh, he goes to hit – hashtag vape gimmick. <laughs> he, he goes to hit Austin in front of the pickup with a chair, and Farouk's got his back le- le- leaning on the pickup. Stone Cold moves. Go, uh, Kama – they make it look like he hits Farouk with a chair. He clearly does not hit Farouk with the fucking chair. No. Like, I was like, oh, shit. They botched it again. Like, yeah. Here's another botch. Um, but, I mean, this I – w- I wanted this match. Was this longer. was this Stone Cold's first match since his neck injury? I believe – I think this was because they started building this, well, like, how did a he month. Get the, how, oh, because he was he, he was had it. the champion. Yeah, he had That's the That's right. And then they had a match – to see who would challenge him. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Creamy and delicious, try strawberry and vanilla for two grams of carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks are now available in the yogurt aisle at Walmart. Always consult your physician before starting an eating plan that involves regular consumption of high-fat foods. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. 
Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Yep. Yeah, I think this is his first match yeah, since injury. Right. Which, I mean, for him to have broken his neck in August and him to be having a match in December's. <laughs> That's uh, a little crazy, dude. <laughs> what the fuck? That's probably why it was only five and a half minutes. Yeah. He, so honestly, you're probably right. Because he probably couldn't go that long. We answered our question here. That's, yeah. That's probably why they had so much going on. Yeah. yeah. We just figured it out. And then he wins the wins the Rumble yeah, a month think, later. You think you're slick, Jim Cornette, old Jimmy. Right? Old Jimmy. Him and Vince sitting by the pool. Oh, drinking yeah. his, drinking his, well, back then it was probably just a regular Sprite. They didn't have Sprite Zero back then. Maybe a Diet Sprite. They had diet so then. Stone, Stone Cold wins that, yeah. nonetheless. But Stone five Cold minutes. keeps his vest on for the whole match, which I kind of liked. Yeah, I like I like cool. him brawling with the vest on. Yeah. It looks it cool. Was, that's what it was. It was more of a brawl, but that, that god dang, that fucking rivalry was so but hot. This would be one of, it'd be, well... Other than Maivea versus, like, the Ringmaster, this is probably, like, the beginning yeah, of their this rivalry. Was their, this was their first real kind of match coming into a program. Yeah. So, which And sadly, it didn't last long because, you know, Austin goes on to win the title at Mania 14. Um, well, then, it, then it's the year build for Rock, but yeah. anyways, we'll get into that another yeah, time. Yeah, we'll get into that another time. Probably uh, coming up March and April, we'll do WrestleMania months, so. yeah. Um, so then we get a Sean promo, or we get a Ken Shamrock promo with old Jimmy Cornette. Old Jimmy. And it shows Shamrock walking to the ring, and I think that ends up being the beginning of his video, his Titantron video, when he's standing at the curtain with, oh, with yeah, his robot. Yeah, like, you know how his uh, Titantron yeah, his, video that, started with that? Yeah, that's. I think that's definitely the footage yeah, from that, because it's like a, a few, in a month or two, he... He becomes more that character, mm-hmm. and every time it hits the snare, his yeah. left foot touches the ground. What? Watch, watch! I, it's weird, dude. But watch it on here. <laughs> no, 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 no! It's not this. This is pre that. This okay. weird little thing I noticed. But whenever Shamrock's music, you know, it's like dun, t, dun. T. Yeah, you know that when the snare hits, his he's always on his left foot. Just oh, watch like future matches and mid card. I'm, I'm it's gonna weird. Go, I'm gonna go. I'll, I'll just YouTube it. I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna pull up the network and search for Ken Shamrock, but I'll I'll YouTube it. Um, but the Sean promo I wanted to mention. You can tell this as well as Hawk. Sean is the most effed fucked, up around yeah, this period too, he's and he's he's super loaded because the way you know you can just tell how he is. Yeah. And I remember watching his documentary as well as Triple H's documentaries, and Triple H was basically like taking care of him. Back yeah. Then. Because he was so screwed up. Shawn Michaels was like the Elvis here. And Triple H yeah. was like one of his little, you know, little flunkies, like, hanger-ons. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying, I'm not degrading Triple H because he was great even here. No, uh, no, yeah. I'm, I'm, just, just I'm just saying, like, personally, you know, when they were traveling together and stuff. Like, Triple yeah, H he was kept... basically keeping Shawn alive at this point. Yeah. Um. Him. Him and China, because obviously Triple H and China were already dating here, because they brought they brought China in because uh, they had met her at a gym, I think. It was like a gym or a hotel or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she, 
originally was going to end up in WCW, but then she met Triple H and Sean and decided. And they kept know. talking. They tried to talk. They were like, they had to talk Vince into it. I remember yeah. listening to these interviews they where they were, were saying like Vince getting her in. He wasn't on board at first. He was like, no, nah, no. Nah. And then he finally let him do it just as like that. Well, he probably he, saw her finally. I was, I was about to say the same God, thing. Pal, she's stacked. <laughs> she's big. Shit. Look at those yeah. tits. Oh, God. Goddamn, pal. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Sean's loaded. And then they're talking about uh, Sean says he couldn't even break wind with triple or with Sergeant Slaughter. But then he farted. So he broke wind finally. <laughs> And I was like, oh, that was a cheesy dad joke, but I loved it. Um, yeah. That's one of the, you know, the that, they could have used that when they returned with DX. But, you know, it was, he was just going for a little giggle, and he got it from me. Um, This match was really good. Yeah, it was a good match. Definitely. Would, it was a solid main event. I wish we would have got a clean finish, but it makes sense, because had they carried on with this storyline... Ken Shamrock easily deserved a rematch because he had Sean beat. Yeah. He was go he he gave him the belly to belly. Um he was going for the uh ankle lock and Triple H and China bum rushed the ring and, you know, attack him and he gets the DQ. Mm. Yeah, it was a good match. Yeah, it was really good. Um probably one of my favorite HBK outfits too. Yeah, and the ringside the DX tights has, has an exclusive. I almost bought it. Man. I, almost I almost bought, bought it. Too. it. Um, actually, I was talking to Baby Tommy today about buying it because I was like, "We need this." And he's like, "Why?" I was like, "Because it's Shawn Michaels and it's awesome." <laughs> um, but uh, the one spot that I wanted to ask you if you saw in this match was when HBK clothesline Shamrock over the ropes, and he yeah, and Shawn came completely off the ring. But then he jumps up and skins the cat. So I, I'm, I was, I'm wondering if Sean was supposed to hold on to the ropes and skin the cat like he always did, but he just, like, because he was fucked up, maybe he didn't realize. Oh, oh okay. No, no. I think, I think, I don't know, man. That's or, kind of a, uh, that's a good question. Just jumping to show off his athletic ability. Cause or, like, I, doing his oversell thing. Yeah, because JR, right after he does it, he was like, Shawn Michaels might be the most athletic man I've ever seen in a wrestling ring. So maybe he was, like, trying to sell the fact that yeah. he was effed up, or he was just, Shawn was doing his overselling. He was thing. just doing his own thing because he didn't give a shit at this point. Yeah, he was so he knew trashed he was all the time. He, at this point, they already knew Austin was going to take the belt at Mania. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, overall, I mean, it wasn't bad. I've seen, No, it was good. I've seen worse in your house events, that's for sure. No, oh yeah, definitely. Like, um, even the first they, one. There's <laughs> some pretty fucking bad ones. Uh, well, and they were, and those were two hours. This was like, this was the year they started doing like these last two or three of '97, the in your houses yeah. when they first hit three hours, I think. Because I think yeah. Bad Blood was three hours. Because yeah, it was. Because um, this has a total of eight matches, and it doesn't look. I mean, I can't find anywhere online where it says if there were any dark matches or not. But there were eight matches, and it clocks in at. 165 minutes so almost three hours so 245 basically what they do now yeah um but yeah like yeah i, I would said, they're, i would say out of, out of five i'd give it a i'd give it a three i'd give it a solid three um yeah. and that's mostly for the opening match and probably the triple h slaughter match the build for taker and kane the build for austin and rock 
and then the main event obviously is 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 worth a watch. And and like uh, you know the match like the highlights of the show obviously Shamrock HBK is probably the best match. Uh, Slaughter and Triple H was good for you know for what it was, and Taker and Jeff Jarrett that was a good five minute thing. Man. Yeah, it, it wasn't bad. And no, then it wasn't Rock bad. And Stone Cold was cool, of course, because it was just that. Yeah. Just that Stone just Cold kicking spots. everybody's ass thing, yeah. yeah. And but the opening match, I mean, the only match that's really forgettable here is Los Burrick was in DOA. Yeah, and that's and that and Butterbean and Mark Marrow because I just I just really wasn't yeah into it. But those it, two matches were kind of my break period. But they both had stories, which was well, yeah, good. that's the thing. Everything everything had stories. That's that Vince Russo school of thought here. Yeah, um, gotta have a story. So, yeah, three out of five for both of us. If you haven't seen it, go back and take a look at it. It's it's worth especially because Yeah. And it's especially 20 years old this month. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to add before we get off here, um, Shawn Michaels comes out as European and WWF champion. Two weeks later, he is the is the Raw, the Christmas Raw, where they come out and they have the thongs on. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then <laughs> they act like they're actually going to fight him and Triple H. And Sean lays down for Triple H and lets him win the European title. That was okay. Yeah, I was gonna ask. Isn't doesn't? I was gonna ask about that, but then I remembered Triple H wins the European title uh-huh. from him because he lays down, mm-hmm. and that was a that was an old trick out of. Uh, or no, maybe WCW took that from them. They took that from them. Cause I was, yeah, I, because they didn't do the finger poke. About it. The finger poke of doom gets so much shit. Yeah, for oh, but nobody that, says nothing about that. <laughs> that was probably what helped ruin WC. Uh, who gives a shit? It's wrestling. We all knew here that it was it was a work. I mean, unless you're like I always say, unless you're a child, and I was a child here. I was ten years old when this happened. Yeah, I was like five. And I was like ah, four. <laughs> they're friends. Why would they actually fight? That's yeah. stupid. Anybody? Who yeah, I think they even were actually us gonna is- fight. Was I think even us as kids knew uh, Sean and Triple H were like literally like best friends. They were best friends. We I, knew, I knew that when I was five years yeah. old. Yeah, you could see so. just their chemistry together. They actually—I I don't mean this in like any any gay way. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm all for that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, you could tell always that they literally. Even when loved they were each other. each other, yeah, they loved each other. Yeah, they were totally. Friends, you know? they're brothers, man. Um, they ran the roads together. I'm sure they're good brothers. I'm sure they teamed up on a couple of broads back. Sh- in the Sean day. was ki- Sean was kind of a bad brother back then. But yeah, they were good but brothers, I mean, though. God, they were Triple H was so used to it at this point because Sean. Yeah, uh, but no matter what, how effed up those guys were, like that's cool, that's fine, like yeah. do your thing because you know what, when they got in the ring, it was awesome. Yeah. And, I mean, because, like I was saying, Triple H was so used to running with Sean and Diesel and Razor and 123Kid and all that, that he was like, you know, fuck, now I only got to deal with one of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he, he was probably fine with it. I mean, I'm sure he was worried more than anything about his friend's health, but, yeah, you know. Um, but, yeah, this is one of Shawn Michaels' last, you know, matches before he rides off into the sunset for five years. Or yeah. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, and he gets, you know, he goes born again Christian and all that, so. Yeah, yeah, overall, I think think the show was, uh, it's worth a watch, so if you're looking for something to watch in December, looking at, you know, some December shows, this is a good one, especially because it's 20 years old, and it's just, you know, even even go back and watch some Raws around it. It was really fun to watch back then. Yeah, it was a good time, 
And I kind of even like, like we were talking about like the Bariquas and DOA, like when they were coming out, I just kind of got that nostalgia feeling of being 10 years old. Yeah. And that's kind of what I like about doing this, about doing the classic reviews. I get to feel like a kid and show yeah. my kids, even though my kids, for the most part, have seen a lot of the older stuff. The big, you know, like they've seen all the WrestleManias, obviously. Yeah. But, I mean, just something like this, something small, and it's like, hey, I remember, you know, ordering this on pay-per-view or whatever. Or coming up, I I go to a Raw, like, this next summer after this happens, and I'm like, oh, yeah, your dad was here, you know, when this happened. And I was yeah. a kid, and I was flipping off Vince McMahon when he came out because he was a punk. <laughs> yeah. And my dad let me do it, and it was cool. Um, but, yeah, yeah, anyways, it's uh, that's, check it out. That's it. Check out IYHDX. Yeah. Um, just a couple of updates. I talked to, uh, Papa Buck today, Matley Massey, uh, slid into his DMs. I didn't send him a Kenny DM. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, currently working on our theme song and he is going to debut it on the podcast. He's going to come on the podcast and talk to us and debut our theme song. Yeah. So that's going to be you. awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Daddy Buck. Thank you, Papa, Papa Buck. Buck. All right. Uh, Make sure you check out Sabotage Wrestling at Sabotage Women. Thunder Rosa's coming up, not this Sunday, next Sunday. Um, still waiting to hear back from the other one. Uh, Baby D and Angel Blue on the 14th. Uh, Sabotage Wrestling, War of the Genders 2, Austin, Texas, Friday, January 19th. Get your tickets at sabotagetexas.com. Uh, let's see what else. Maddie Max on the show the 21st. Uh, Zoe Sky on the 28th, Congo Kong on February 4th, Ace Hawkins sometime in late February. I've almost got another guest book for mid-February, I think the 11th. I'll announce that when I have it official. And today, uh, we're, today we're also recording our top 10 wrestlers of the year. That was next. that's through all promotions. Um, oh, sorry. I, I took, no, I took no, the words no, out of your no, mouth. No, no man. I'm sorry. That, that I screwed t- up. No, you screwed up by apologizing. <laughs> that was perfect. Um, All right. We're finally getting a kind of a flow here. We we got a chemistry. We're like Triple H and Sean. We are. Um, pretty much. We're like Matt and Nick. Yeah, um, pretty much. We're like the new age Young Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> we're Road Dog and B.A. Yeah, we're Jesse Dog and Road uh, James. <laughs> or uh, Road Gun. Yeah, Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Anyway, yeah. so follow me on Twitter at Mr. Tommy Walter. Follow me on Twitter at Levi D. Zindel. Follow the show at Hills and Quads. Follow our correspondent on the streets. He'll be on the top ten today at Robert Lemons on Twitter. Um, we all did a top ten, and they the top three were all the same. Yeah. So that was cool. And then I compiled the list and kind of, like, made a hodgepodge one list that way you know because we're gonna we'll announce them we'll probably do a countdown i'm assuming yeah yeah we'll We'll start with 10 we'll we'll talk about each one kind of but uh yeah so we'll talk to you later hope you enjoyed it listen to all the other podcasts listen to the current podcast listen to the future podcast and we'll talk to you later talk to you later Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. 
Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.